0: back to the epl roundtable i'm your host kevin devries and as always if you'd like to reach us at the podcast you can do so by either tweeting us at epl roundtable or emailing us at epl roundtable at gmail.com
1: hello i'm jay i'm editor of the eaglesbeak.com a palace fan site i'm also a football expert on a local community radio show called back of the net you can get us on twitter at underscore back of the net underscore and i'm on twitter for the eaglesbeak at the eaglesbeak
2: Yeah, hello, I'm Jake. I support Newcastle. I wrote EPL Index, amongst various other sites. And you can get me on Twitter, at Jake Jackman
0: with All Alright, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up first, of course, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. Assuming there hasn't been too much as we've been on the international break. Jay, the one thing that really stood out to me is England needed another centre-back and did not look at Scott Dan yet again. (laughs)
1: It's a really common theme, uh, the Scott-Dan discussion. I, I've been driving the Scott-Dan bandwagon since, well, since last season. He had a tremendous season last year. Um, the first half of this season, he was excellent. Um, and I, I can understand why it's probably hard to pick a central defender in a team that's struggling at the moment. But um, I would argue that you know uh, Cahill was being picked for England uh, in the first half of the season, even though Chelsea was struggling. So uh, it, it's kind of one rule for one, one rule for the other. But... Um, Scotland still put in the performances, and it's it's an area for England that you know we're struggling in. We're not particularly blessed at, at the centre back position, and it continues to be a problem uh, with John Stones. Um, you know, is a young player making mistakes. jaggy I'm still not completely convinced with at England level whether whether he's perhaps a little past it. I'm not sure. Um, Smalling is the man for me centre back, but who partners him? I think it's going to end up being Cahill, but I don't think there's that many decent English centre backs in the Premier League at the moment. And it's it's amazing how Scott Dan hasn't even been looked at. It, I'm I'm gobsmacked by that.
0: Yeah, it definitely is a strange decision. Any other news coming out of Crystal Palace over the break?
1: Yeah, it's pretty quiet actually. I mean, we we watched the uh, Alan Pardew press conference today, and uh, it you know he, he says all the right things uh, at the right times, and and, and tries to. Uh, Kind of make fans, you know, look forward to the weekend. You know, we've got a few injury concerns. I mean, injuries this season that has been, you know, the hot topic for us. I've never known a season like it, really. Um, I really haven't. I'm not making excuses, you know, that there's been a bit of rough luck along the way. But you make your own luck in football, don't you? But injuries is one of the massive things for us. Um, coming out of the international break, we've got Mile Jednak, who missed the second Australia game through a hamstring injury, uh, which is is a concern because he's been playing well the last few games for us since making his way back into the side. Johan Kabay picked up an injury as well and he didn't play uh, in that second game for France. Um, so just to add to our woes already at the moment, we have Punchin coming back from injury. Uh, we already have James yeah. McArthur who has been sorely missed, I have to say, from our midfield since he uh, since, since he's, um, I think he tore one of his ankle ligaments. So, um, But he is on the comeback trial and he may make an appearance for the end of the season. But um it, it's just crazy how how busy our physiotherapy room has been this season our treatment room um i i couldn't tell you one player that hasn't been in there this season i think it's it, it, you know it's, it's it's easy to say that in in, in that respect we've we've really struggled and the big thing for me is Connor wickham you know he, he's had his third spell out injured this season and and when he's played he's been great for us you know he scored those four goals in two games got injured at the end of the Sunderland game uh, which he scored two goals in. And, uh, you know, we've missed him the last couple of games. I mean, against Leicester and Liverpool, both very tight games. And we played well in them. I, you know, this is the thing people keep saying to me, you're worried about being re relegated. And, and to be honest, I'm not. I, I, I'm really not because I'd be more worried if we weren't actually playing well or or battling for games. You know, if there was no battle, no fight in the players, then I'd be concerned. But there is. Uh, against Leicester, I think we were unlucky. Um, Leicester didn't play uh, play their best during that game. But um, the big thing for me, and I've said it a few times in, in this past week, is that Leicester are a team which, um, you know, they they got a habit of winning and we are the complete opposite. We've got a habit of losing and we just can't get out of that habit. Um, but March has not been too bad, really. We started with a, a draw against Sunderland, which, you know, a very late goal, speculative goal, uh, you know, towards the end of the game, which, you know, would have been great to get three points out of that game, really. But, you know, come away with a point from Sunderland, who are down there, you know, not too bad. You know, based on our current form, then we uh, we we had Liverpool and Leicester, and both those two games very tight. And I think if Conor Wickham was playing in either of those two games, I think we could have seen a bit of a different outcome, perhaps a draw or a win in in either of those. Really, um, you know, Leicester weren't that great, but like I said, they got a habit of winning. They know how to win games. They grind out wins, uh, which is great for them. You know, in their position, uh, we just need to kind of try and learn that again and and, and get to that point against Liverpool. Unlucky again, but I think you know that last half an hour we were absolutely terrible after that mistake by McCarthy, and we just need to kind of get our heads, uh, you know, around the fact that you know we need we need to be confident, and, you know we are a decent team, we have decent players, but um, uh, it, it's it's been tough, and you know we've, we we travelled to West Ham at the weekend and in you know, a tough game. I mean, it's no easy game in the Premier League, is there? But uh, West Ham, are, you know, a great side, Payet's playing exceptionally well, had a great uh, great couple of games for France, at, you know, in the international week. But they have struggled against uh, some of the struggling sides in the Premier League and, you know, I've, unfortunately for us, we are now a struggling side in the Premier League. Um, so I'm looking forward to the game, actually. I've got a feeling that we might get something out of it. You know, I'm not underestimating West Ham, but I just feel that they are a side at home. They're not, they're not as good at home as they are away from home and hopefully we can try and take advantage of that. But um, if we haven't got Wickham up front, uh, um, if we're missing Yendak goodbye, it might be a completely different matter.
0: Yeah, it looks like there may be uh, some issues there. You mentioned McCarthy there. Um, obviously, you've been kind of juggling keepers throughout the season. Mostly been Wayne Hennessy, though. Uh, if McCarthy had been getting minutes, he may have been called into the England setup before Scott Dan with all the injuries <laughs> happening at that position.
1: Yeah, I, I, so gutted for uh, you know for Jack Butland. I mean, how innocuous was that? Um and the typical efficient Germans weren't they? They just took advantage of him being injured. Um, yeah, because he, he couldn't yeah, dive
0: after to that to stop that no,
1: cruise no. shot. And yeah. you know the only thing you could perhaps blame him for is not kicking the ball out. You know to touch, but he's a young keeper still learning his trade. Just such a shame he's going to miss European Championships when you know he's it, more than likely it would have been number two. Uh, Joe Hart's obviously out for a month, so you know we don't know how he's going to come back. Uh, come back from that if you know assuming he does get back fit for the European Championships, he'll be number one um but again it's it it is a position where we've got three really good keepers now butland's you know um not going to be fit but forster is a you know is is an able keeper um great for southampton a big keeper i think it's it you know, big keepers do give you an air of uh, invincibility about them, don't they? Because mm. um, you know, they kind of feel the go a little bit, and he's that kind of he's that kind of guy. Um, um, but no, you know, not taking anything away from the Burnley keeper either. Um, mm, you know, Heaton, he, he, yeah. He, yeah, Tom Heaton he's very good as well. Um, you just question whether you know he he's had that. <laughs> Has he faced that much quality in the championship, maybe I'm insulting the championship because I know how good the championship is and how tough it is to get a division to get out of. Um, but you know, fair play works its way in, but there's still a few keeps. So, I mean, Ben Foster for, uh, West Brom, you know, he's, he's kind of not getting in the side, you know, um, cause uh, is it, uh, my Hills keeping him out of the side, um, at West Brom. So it's difficult to see much further than that. And, and as a palace, I mean, the goal kick position has been a massive problem for us all season. Um, in the summer Pardew brought in Alex McCarthy as you mentioned and you know we all thought that was going to be he was going to be our number one keeper because that is sign signing um had a, had a start of the season. He was okay. Uh, made a couple of mistakes. Then got injured. Never got back in the side. Julius Speroni, who's a big favourite at Palace, obviously had a good couple of seasons. Well, he's had ten seasons at the club now. Celebrated his testimonial last year, but he's not had a look in at all. Even you know, even when hennessy has been out of form, uh, Speroni's been on the bench. But Hennessy's made some you know clangers this season. Really has, and I think he made another one for Wales in the week. Um, so it is a concern because our defence is playing like a team which don't have confidence in the keeper. I mean, he doesn't sort out his feet quick enough on the line. He doesn't come off his line very quickly. Um, and yeah, it just seems to be a real, you know, real bit of a problem there uh, for, from our perspective. Um, it's just a, so unlucky McCarthy um, had that slip against Liverpool. So unfortunate. You, you know, you can't, can you, can you um, call it a mistake? I'm not really sure you can. Um, although I'm sure McCarthy would probably do something a bit different, you know, if he was put in that position again um it, it was very tough and it's you know Hennessy is obviously the number 1 now because he came back in after after the Liverpool game um but he's not filling everybody with confidence and it's you know it's a bit of a problem you know the, the team as a whole don't have a lot of confidence at the moment because of this run we're on so uh you know it's a bit it, it's a tough one but when people say you know you, you know you're struggling you, you know you're you are being pulled towards the relegation zone i just got a feeling that we're not going to go between now and the end of the season. that's eight games. you know we're not going to go through those eight games, not getting any points and If we do get points in any of those, I think it will just be enough for us, and we have a far superior goal difference than any of those teams down there so and we still have Norwich to play and Newcastle to play um so you know win those two games, and you know we'll be fine
0: yeah, if you look at the table, the fact that you're already on thirty three points in theory, you need five this year it's going yeah. to be potentially even weaker. Um, So yeah, hopefully you can uh, turn that around. It still doesn't really feel like you're in danger, kind of like you said, but kind of need to start start looking at that and Mm. maybe not as great. But uh, you do have a double game week coming up which will be an interesting uh, task against Everton and Norwich, I think is, is the, the best. Yeah, back we,
1: we, we've got a couple of those because we've got FA Cup semi-final coming up. We've got seven yeah. games in April. Uh, one of those is the Cup semi-final, so we've got six Premier League games in April, whereas we only had three in March. Um, so it's a very tough month, and we've got a few midweek games. We've got Everton um in midweek and we've also got man united in midweek as well for you know over the space of three weeks so it's going to be it's going to be a a, a tough time um and hopefully we can get those injured players back um sooner rather than later will be great and and obviously not suffer anymore
0: all right thanks and now on to jake not as much international news Jeannie winyaldum did have a good run out for the netherlands anything else happening at newcastle
2: uh, quite. There's a couple of things going on at, at Newcastle sort of off the off the field um, over the last few couple of weeks. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw the Mike Ashley interview, which was quite uh, well broadcasted on Sky and in all the newspapers and things. Where yeah, it wasn't really the thing you want when you're in a relegation fight. Sort of, um, <laughs> uh, we're stuck with each other. There's no money left. They spent it all. I wish I never bought the club. Comments like this. Whatever know, it's, happened with it's the whole helpful. Rangers thing that he was doing. Uh, I think that just backfires. Yeah. So, no. you know, they they, they avoided the which I think is a good thing. Um, I preferred it when he did say anything. I think I think that that's much better for the team because so, I mean we have all this positivity with Rafa Benitez coming in. You know, a, a really good manager. We got that late uh, the late equaliser against Sunderland, which you know, although we wanted to win the game, it felt sort of like a step forward that that goal and sort of that the. the Unleashing of all the like the joy of, of not losing to Sunderland. So I think once once all that happens, you know, we felt like we were moving forward. It was a, it was a small step. It was still a step forward. And then you have that that come out, and it sort of just makes you think, oh, even though we've got a manager now, he, he probably knows what he's doing. and We still got Mike Ashley, and he's always going to do things to sort of stop the club progressing, which is just really frustrating. Um, yeah, he said there's no money left in in the bank account that is uh, sort of being looked after by Lee Charnley, which it's only a worry if we go down, because, of course, if we do stay up, we get the Premier League money and things like that. So that's a massive, there'll still be money to be spent in the summit if we do stay up. So yeah, it was just, it's just a bit annoying, really, just to, to see those comments. It just reminds you that being a Newcastle fan at the moment, it's still, it's still really not that far. So that was frustrating. And then obviously Rob Elliott uh, got quite a bad injury for the Republic of Ireland, which was just, I feel like I'm gutted for him because he's made so his his career was on such an upwards trajectory this season. He's been our player of the season. He's made so many good saves. I think he's moved ahead of Tim Crawl in the in the pecking and order, and you know he had a chance to keep us up. And he was going to go to the Euros as the number one for Ireland. And now he's had that horrible injury, which is just devastating for him. And now we have to rely on either Carl Darlow, who we signed from Nottingham Forest in the summer, or Freddie Woodman, who is a very talented young keeper who is wanted by a lot of the big clubs in England, but he's not never played for the club before. So you know we 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 are very short on goalkeeping options, and we have a massive crisis at left back as well with Paul Dummett, Haidara, and Colbackle all uh, missing for various suspensions and injuries, which isn't good. So yeah, we've got a, we've got a few problems, but o- overall, I think you know you got got to be positive going into this weekend. I think. Hmm. Yeah, it's just, we just have to focus on the relegation fight and not worry about sort of injuries and things like that because they're just out of our hands. We have to concentrate on these next eight games and then just sort everything else out in the summer.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the Sunderland uh, match and injuries there. I know it was quite a while ago, but uh, while things do seem dark and gloomy at Newcastle, I think you guys handled Mitrovic head injury very well. Uh, a lot of clubs, including my own, have taken... Head injuries less seriously than that, and I do think there needs to be widespread regulation on head injuries. But taking off Mitrovic, uh, despite the fact that he had just scored, I, I think was th- absolutely the-, the right call. And if he had stayed on, could you have gotten the winner? Potentially. But but if you look at players, if, if you aren't going to be concerned about them as human beings, look at them as assets for your team. And you might get a lot better long run out of him because... Uh, you kept him from re-injuring that uh, during that match. So anyway, that is a positive for Newcastle, at least from a neutral perspective. Obviously the Rafa Benitez news was long ago on the calendar, not long ago on the schedule. Uh, We thought maybe you signing him right before the Sunderland match would guarantee a victory. Uh, Did not happen. If you beat Norwich at the weekend, will that significantly improve your mindset as to whether or not you'll stay up?
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I think we have to win um, because Sunderland are home to West Brom and I think they're probably going to win that game. So, you know, if if Sunderland do win and we do win, you have a clutch of us three sort of one point separating us all again, which I think, you know, really does make the relegation fight really interesting. And then coming up, we've got Palace at home in a couple of weeks as well, which, you know, we'd want to win that as well on paper considering their form and things like that. So yeah, I think I think if we do win this weekend, I'll be a lot more positive about staying up because our fixture list over the next you know seven to eight games isn't terrible. Mm-hmm. We're not playing many teams that have much to play for. You know that can all all that can have the opposite effect and they sort of go out there to try and end their season well. But traditionally, they, those sort of clubs do sort of take take their sort off the gas. So I think I think if we have to win this weekend. There's, there's no question about that. If if we don't win then I think we are going down even a draw is probably not good enough at this point I think we do need to win so it's a massive game but then we do have the best manager to prepare for it we've got a decent squad we should beat Norwich on paper we beat them 6-2 earlier in the season so hopefully that will sort of you know be a good thing for the players to sort of remember that and sort of know that they can beat this side so yeah we have to win and if we don't I think we're going to go down Mm. that's a sad reality but yeah I'm hopeful I'm hopeful
0: yeah, I was gonna say you do have a game in hand and then I remembered it, it's against Manchester City.
2: Although they are drifting. Then,
0: they are drifting a bit.
2: And that they, they are not good away from home. True. And if company's injured and, and things like that. Yeah. I I think but that's you, a the game.
0: Looking at it, you're only three points behind Norwich with that game in hand. I I think because it's just four teams that I think are really in it. I know you hate uh, Pardew, so maybe maybe we'll include <laughs> Crystal Palace <Ballas> there. <laughs> Sorry, Jay. Um, but uh, if it is just the four of you—Villa, Newcastle, Sunderland, and Norwich—and you draw Norwich, and you can still catch them, I think I think you'd be okay. But I yeah, a win would definitely kind of propel you forward. Where are you goal differences? You're, you're three better, so if you win, that means you're getting at least plus one. I'll say it, yeah. I think if you win, you stay up.
2: You reckon? I hope so. But I, I think you say, you say a draw, we're still in it. But I think, I think we have to we have to start winning at some like point. Mentality wise, Or keep, just because it's a yeah, we just can't keep, it's a lower match. Yeah, no. I, I just think as the games are running out. We have to start winning. We can't keep going. Oh, we're, we're still in it. We're not that far off. We've got seven games. We can't keep thinking in, in that sort of mentality. We need to start winning games. I think this is the one to start winning. yeah, I I really think we have to win all the game
0: down. All right, fair enough. Not much going on uh, during the international break, aside from Tottenham beating Germany, unless they're losing to the Netherlands. (laughs) I think that that's a foretelling sign for the title. Uh, Jokes aside. um, It it was great seeing all the the Tottenham boys playing for England. Uh, Danny Rose gets two starts. And this may sound insane, but he had a fairly good match in the, in the Netherlands match aside from uh, definitely conceding one penalty and probably should have been called a second penalty. Um, but he looked very good in the first one. I think he actually got man of the match for the Germany match, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, or at least so, that's what us Spurs fan said. So, <laughs> who, who knows? We tend to be a biased bunch. Um, but the fact that Kane did a, a pseudo Cruyff turn uh, to score against Germany was, was a double nice touch. Uh, Dyer getting the winner on his giant Cro-Magnon dome, um, and Della Ali fluffed an excellent chance, uh, but but very proud of them. And you could see the difference. I hey, you know what? I could ask you instead of just being self centered about it. Um, would you agree that the England side looked much better with those three Tottenham guys in there than they did against Netherlands?
1: Yeah, I I, I think so, but. There's been a lot of conversation about this, uh, you know, in the, in, over here uh, about the choices of, you know, would you have played, you know, should should Roy have played the same team against Holland? But the fact is, he's, you know, he needs to narrow down his squad for the championship. So he's he's got to give players, uh, you know, he's got to have a real look at players playing for England. So um, you can see why he, he made the changes he did for the Holland game. But we we look far better uh, against Germany in that, in that first game. Um, particularly as we went 2 0 down as well. Um, you know, great to come back from that. And obviously the injury to Butland in that game. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a tough one to take, really, as well. when, you know, particularly that first goal. Um, but it was a great fight back. And, and we looked energetic. We looked. Uh, for me, the biggest thing is that we looked there was as if there was a lot of togetherness. You know, the players enjoyed playing together. They enjoyed you know, I mean, any England team would enjoy a bit in Germany. But, you know, there seemed to be a lot of. Um, you know a lot of togetherness and and that, that's that's great for a for a group of players which obviously don't play week in week out with each other um you know on in an international team only get together every so often like now um and particularly looking ahead to the um to the summer i think the defeat to holland was you know as long as roy and, and the management staff have learnt something from that game and decided well a couple of those players didn't didn't perform and um you know don't probably don't fit into our squad you know, if if they've learned that from that game by losing it, then then so be it. I mean, that's what friendlies are made for, isn't it? Really.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. there. just uh, glad to see that it, it looks like all five Tottenham guys are going to get a ticket to France, which think so. which I'm not yeah. sure was a lock even as much as two months ago. I think Dyer probably the one that was the most kind of on the bubble, mm. uh, and I was I was thinking he would still make it just because of his versatility, because it, it's he's basically yeah. the defensive wellback. He can play in the midfield, he can play as a centre back, he can play as a right back. Um much like how well, well looked, that can play looked, up front or on either wing. He looked
1: very comfortable, didn't he? Yeah, he he he, does. He, he, look, he didn't look out of place at all. Um for such a young guy in in a position that you need you need an older head, I tend to tend to find. You need to be able to read the game well um and and, and kind of you know think before you know something happens, sort of thing. But I think the other player to mention is Danny Rose. You know, he's got a lot he's had a lot of critics playing in a side which is obviously fighting for the title, like all these players are at Spurs, of course. Um, but I thought he looked very, very good against Germany, I have to say. Um, and uh, I don't think it many like,
0: people... Uh, in the preseason, because I did actually get to see him play here in the States, um, mm. and it was his, his first appearance in the midfield, and it just seemed like he was a little overwhelmed by everything happening around him. And mm. uh, early in the season, he was kind of doing a double pivot with Della Ali. I think as soon as we were just like, listen, you were defending just 10 yards back earlier. Now just do it a little bit further forward and play the ball to the midfielders next to you. Like, don't Mm. get crazy. Don't bomb forward. And it seems like ever since we simplified that, he's become very good at his his craft as being a central midfielder. And like you said, he's a calming influence now because Mm. all of your midfielders have to contribute somewhat defensively. But knowing you have somebody like that behind you is just going to mop up most things. I think it it doesn't just help him, but it helps the the players around him. Um, Other things that happened for Tottenham. Toby Alderweireld uh, came down with gastroenteritis, and we were worried he was going to miss the Liverpool match. Apparently not the case. Pochettino saying that he's fully recovered and will be ready for Saturday. Uh, Eric Lamella is dealing what has been classified as an unspecified muscular injury. Uh, by the Argentinian FA, so thanks for all the specificity in that injury report. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he's back in time. But if he's not, we can just play Hyungmin Son over there. So not really a huge deal. They offer different things. Lamela offers a little bit more craftiness and technique, while Hyungmin Son is is a bit more pacey and maybe a better finisher uh, of the ball. Uh, both of them not terrific first touch, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> Hopefully we'll be all right there. Although I do think a little pace against Liverpool may actually help us more than passing creativity. Um, but we'll, we'll talk more about that match as it comes up. As we stand now, I think if we get zero to one points from Liverpool and Manchester United, which are our next two matches, we fall out of the title race. If we get one win from those, I think we're hanging on. And if we get four plus, I think we'd be in really good stead to to at least push Leicester till the end of the season. Uh, whether or not we actually get to win the title. Is yet to be seen. Um, All right, well, uh, until we hear back from Jake, we may as well move on to the topic. Now, Jay, this is uniquely qualified for you as you like both baseball and football. Um, (laughs) But in the States, we've been dealing with the Pete Rose betting scandal for ages. He was one of the best baseball players in history. Uh, but it's still banned from the Hall of Fame because when he was a manager, not even when he was a player, when he was a manager, uh, he bet on his own teams to win, which is a, an important clarification. If you're betting mm-hmm. on your own teams to lose, heck, that's, that's much, much worse. But his whole point was that he was believing in his team, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's not playing here in the States because we have such a big stigma on betting. Online gambling is mostly illegal throughout the country. But this has forever tainted his legacy. Now, I'm not saying that Martin D. Michaelis is as important to baseball or is is as important to football as Pete Rose was to baseball. And betting is a lot more ingrained in football culture. But is this a problem for you that he was betting allegedly on football matches, uh, considering that they weren't as reported Premier League matches?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think players have to be very careful these days. I think there's a new rule brought in I think it was for the 2014-15 season, which meant that yeah. um, players and management staff, or, or, or coaches even, uh, weren't allowed to um, to bet on any any football activity around the world. I think I think that was the rule, if I remember rightly. Um, <clears throat> so, and if I, if I also recall rightly, I don't think the FA have actually um, handed out any actions to any players as yet. So, this will be very interesting to see. Um, you know, see how it pans out, and and uh, and firstly, how he how he responds to the charge. Um, for me, I mean, do players need to bet? You know, it, it puts them into a bit of a difficult position, isn't it? Really, um, I, you know, it's, it's I find it very similar to a defender diving in the penalty area um, and perhaps not making a foul on a player, but the player goes down, and a, and it and that defender gives that referee a decision to make. It's a very similar situation, whereas you know. Dimicales has been caught betting and, and been found to be betting as, as it as it suggests. Um so the FA are put in a position where they're gonna to have to deal with it. Um it's very difficult, isn't it? There's been betting scandals across the world in, in in sport. And baseball, as you mentioned, that's a very high profile in the States. Um cricket is a massive one over here. Um that's suffered hugely um from from betting scandals. Also horse racing as well. So it's it's not, you know, it's not it's not just football. I'm not sure quite how you know, if he hasn't been betting on Man City games, then I find it hard to hard to perhaps judge whether you know he he should be you know treated or, or, or suspended or, or or be fined for whatever reason. But um, yeah, it's it's a really tough one. Uh, it, I mean, I remember it, you're you're going back a while where players would you know even you know drink before games and after games back in the seventies, early eighties. You know, used to be a bit of a drinking culture and and, and a betting culture as well, and and all of that's Completely been wiped out of uh, obviously dressing rooms, and I think it was more about traveling to away games and things like that. It, it was kind of around, but I think players have to have their heads screwed on a bit more than they than they perhaps do and, and realize that you know they're in a position where um, you know they can't do some of these things, and you know there's no reason to wait until you've retired, is there? But it, yeah, he's uh, it, put himself in a position where it, it, you know they, they've got to make a decision as to how they deal with him, and it'd be very interesting to see how they do.
0: Yeah, I think it's a very good point. (laughs) Obviously, the podcast's official stance on penalties. Don't put yourself in that situation. (laughs) Exactly. That's a very clever way of putting it. Um, I I think it kind of falls down to what's happening in the NFL right now with uh, the marijuana issue, where Mm. it's starting to become legal in certain states, but it's still federally illegal. And more importantly, it's something that a company can fire you for, any company. We're just talking about the NFL, which is one of the biggest companies in the world. So part of the agreement is you're playing for this company and sub-companies, the, the individual teams. Part of your contract, part of the way that you get paid for your for your living, which in this case is millions of dollars or pounds in England, part of it is a agreement to those terms. That if you're going to play this sport and make tons of money and become famous and be a big deal in society, that... Just don't do a few things. Like, Martavis Bryant plays for the Steelers. He's suspended uh, for all of next season because he failed a drug test while under probation for a drug test. Just don't. Just don't do it, right? If you, yeah. you want to smoke, don't take the team's money. Because that's the agreement you entered into. See, the, the, the reason why I like discussing it like this is it avoids the morality portion. Mm. Because everybody's going to have their opinion and it's one of those things that people on the internet will continually shout about and you don't change anyone else's opinion he was like this is mine oh yeah well this is mine now we hate each other that doesn't help martin D if it does come out that he was betting again these are allegations he had an agreement with what, what was it uefa on the whole was it throughout all of europe or was it specifically was it, was it, the fa
1: i can't remember was it whether it was um, you know across the board or whether it's mm. just, I, I I would suspect it's probably um, across Europe, say UEFA. Um, I would guess, but I don't know for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm going from memory here. Um, but yeah, I'd, I just, I'd assume
0: that as well, just because yeah. uh, there have been a lot of these scandals throughout the <laughs> world, and exactly. uh, I can't imagine that all of them were legal. Yeah, it it was the FA. No, no it, it was, yeah. So so this is part it. of the agreement. If you're going it. to be a player in England, this is part of the agreement that you have is I will follow these rules to play for this team to make all of this money and he broke that.
1: Yep. I mean I think the biggest problem I have is that players need to feel a sense of responsibility. Um and I think that needs to be I well, I'm just going to well I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to promote one of the articles on my site actually from last week. Dan, uh, Dan Watts from Baggage Facts actually writes a few articles for the Eagles Beak, and he wrote an article all about Adam Johnson and the and the after effects of that. Um, and His view was, and I completely agree with a view, is that players need to be, have more responsibility and if they don't have that responsibility then The PFA have to look at that in players from an early age. So, coming into the game, educate them right, you know, in the ways of social media. I mean, that's a big problem for players. How many players get into, you know, get into, um, you know, tweet something wrong and upsets the fans and things like that? You know, it's a very fine line sometimes, I think. Um, But obviously, the more serious ones, you know, the Adam Johnson um, uh, court case. And, you know, you have to kind of you know in a in a position that they're in you know you got young young kids watching them idolizing them it's the same as in any sport you would hope that the players You know, would would understand that sense of responsibility. A majority of them do. You know, I'm not questioning. You know, the whole. You know, you got got a minority. I mean, it's a big thing in the NFL, isn't it? Because in the off season, you get a a huge amount of players end up being arrested for different offences and things like that. And it is as if they don't know what to do with their lives when they haven't got um, you know the sport that they earn their money from. Mm -hmm. um, Uh, January
0: Uh, of this year was the first month since like 2008 that no NFL players were arrested.
1: Oh, really? That's how bad it is. That's how (laughs) bad it was. They were like, nobody!
0: Yeah, we did it!
1: (laughs) (laughs) But it it is, I think it is an education. Um, Or it should be an education. If players are still failing in their responsibility at certain points, the PFA actually came out last week and said that, you know, after the Adam Johnson problem, um, then they have a duty to make sure that they look at what they're doing again from scratch and think, you know, actually we need to do more about this you know we need to do more to try and prevent this obviously you know they they take no blame in that whatsoever um because ultimately it's a player um you know as 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 caught you know, made an offense and uh, you know it's it's hard to you know you, you can only educate some people so far can't you um in life in general but um you know when they are left their own devices some people will just always get into trouble um, for for doing the wrong thing, you know, as we've seen in you know different sports stars across you know across time. But um, it, it, it is a difficult one. But uh, it, when we are talking a minority here. There's always going to be somebody that steps out of line here and there, um, think they're kind of above the law or above the rules, whichever. But um, it'd be interesting to see what happens with Dimickis. How this pans out, and you know, if if he is actually found guilty. Um, of it then then what, what kind of fine or suspension even will the FA hand to him is is an interesting one
0: Yeah I think part of the reason behind it is because it's such kind of a fraternal group the players group that even mm. if you are betting outside of your own league I think they're arguing that you could make an impact like mm. he could go because it was while he was in Argentina allegedly he could go to like an Argentine player and be like hey man if you throw this one yeah. I'll throw one on my end which mm. which could cause all kinds of rings and issues but yeah, hopefully, hopefully this gets resolved well. Do, are you fine with just the betting culture around football in general? Would you say it's mostly healthy, or, or are there kind of more pitfalls? Because in the states, like I said, there's such a stigma that there's no such thing as healthy gambling. I'm just curious to get kind of your take on that from a different perspective.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think gambling in the UK is um, is a huge thing. I mean. These days you walk down a high street and, and you see three or four betting shops um you know in, in, in one high street these days. Um you know it's all it's all very big in sponsorship on the TV. You watch the sports channels and half time of every game, the first advert is a is a betting company, the last advert is a betting company, giving you the odds on that game. Um these days it's so interactive, it's so quick that uh they, they these adverts actually react. react to half action, you know, if somebody scores two goals, they give you the odds straight away on, um, yeah, on that player to score a hat trick, or like a, or the odds of that player scoring a hat trick in the second half, and that 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 advert is interactive straight away after you know after that first half is over, um, it's in your face, it, it is completely. And while betting, the betting culture is, it, it's, it's kind of been in football for an awful long time, but you know there have been problems along the way, and. I I do kind of agree with the American attitude that there you know, there is no healthy betting culture, um, because it does make the weaker uh, or or, or the suspected weaker people are, you know or, or footballers among them. It's it's a bit of a carrot dangled in front of them, isn't it? Uh, a bit like a kind of well, I, I guess it, it kind of an alcoholic you know be you know going out for a drink with people. He's drinking coke and the others are drinking you know beers and stuff. Mm. It's it, it, it's all. It, it, I find it difficult, and particularly, I think the FA have the right idea to try and stop players betting on football um, because that's a sport they're in. There's no reason why they can't bet on horse racing or they can't bet on a golf tournament or things like that. Yeah, just Uh, specifically football, but the but the sport, yeah, the the sport you're in, um, yeah, it's a little bit different. Um, But it but it has been a culture in the UK for an awful long time, and it goes back, um, you know, a long time. As I mentioned, you know, players were you know. Play cards on a on a long trip, you know, away from home on on you know on the coaches or trains and things like that, and uh, probably even more so in the states. You know, longer trips in the states, you know, than, <laughs> than we have here. Um, but yeah, it has been a bit of a culture, and I think the FA are right to. Um, you know, do the do the right thing, um, and and edu- and again, that's that word again. Educate younger players coming into the game because they're the ones that you know are, are perhaps you know a li- little bit more susceptible to uh, being caught out in, in in that area. But there's so much
0: disposable income. Yeah, I mean,
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah, we see it in all sports now, don't we? You know, American sports. You know, the the players are paid paid massive wages, same as in football over here. Um, yeah what do they do with that extra money <laughs> you know so some tattoo themselves from their fingernail to their toenail um you know others you know sports cars and big houses and you know all all that um you know some people like i mentioned you know some people are susceptible to to being dragged into different things that perhaps they uh they may not have done without um you know the access to that disposable income so um, yeah, it is a difficult one. And I kind of agree with American attitude in that you know, that a healthy betting culture, you know, is you know, I don't think they pro- I don't think they can be really.
0: Yeah, and you kind of mentioned the the wage differences. I, I know a lot of my American friends are under the assumption that footballers get more money uh, uh, than players here in the states, like in the NFL and stuff. But if you look at Ezekiel Levetzi who I'm pretty sure with his China deal is now the richest contract in world football on 400k a week that <laughs> which is hilarious and insane um that's about 21 million dollars which is like the average maybe of the top 5 quarterbacks in the NFL so like exactly. the undoubtedly like if it's on 400k that would by far be the, the highest wage that somebody's collecting is top 5 quarterbacks like not even the top um yeah. It, it really is crazy. And then you look at a player like Harry Kane, who's currently on 45 a week, and we're going to mm. upgrade it to 60. And now you're talking sub five, which yep. is probably below average for any NFL player. So, anyway, just a fun thing that maybe uh, people were not aware of because I know a lot of Americans don't think so. Uh, but uh, the sponsorships for footballers are much bigger because they're mm. much more globally tied as opposed to NFL players, who pretty much the most that they get is a shoe contract. Uh, an equipment contract or they're just like the guy that's in the powerade commercial like it's not even just them it's just like a group and you're like oh, i caught a ball give me my money but it's it's not like you know ronaldo having his own underwear line you know all kinds of, all kinds of craziness like that just this isn't related to anything i've just always thought it's funny that um messi is a uh Adidas sponsored player playing for a, a Nike sponsored club and Ronaldo <laughs> is vice versa. It's like, yeah, they, they couldn't yeah. iron that out at all. All right,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's an, it, yeah, you're right, it, it is an odd one, but I guess it's individuals, isn't it? And, uh, it's, it's funny they haven't taken a stance to say, right, actually, you can't wear, <laughs> you, you can't wear the, you know, the oppositions, or like, uh, boots. like, yeah, like in or...
0: the NFL, if you wear. Like non-certain brand cleats, you have to tape mm. over the logo. <laughs> That's right. Dave. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. So Crazy.
0: apparently, Crazy. we just aren't apparently we just aren't doing that uh, in football, no. which is which is fine, I suppose. Um, all right. Well, it looks like this little this will be a shorter one on accident. Um, but uh, we can head into player watch. You mentioned Crystal Palace have been dealing with a lot of injuries, but mm. uh, if there was a player that you'd look for. Uh, for fantasy for the coming match weeks, who would who would you say is the best option there?
1: Yeah, it's a tough one. I, I mentioned that March hasn't been particularly great, but I think it could have been it could have been better. You know, we only got one point out of three games. Um, the one player that perhaps shone, although didn't play that much, was Connor Wickham. He, if he if he's fit to play against West Ham this weekend, then he might be worth a punt because he comes in back from injury off the back of. Four goals in two games, and four good goals they were as well against uh, um, you know, Sunderland, his previous club. He scored two excellent goals, which we just managed to uh, not uh, win by letting in a late goal, uh, which is uh, which is frustrating. But um, he's been the missing uh, the missing thing for us, really. Uh, you know, as well as James MacArthur and a but he's not going to be back for a while. I fancy Connor Wickham's come back and and get back into goal scoring again. Um, as we found out this season, it's made of glass because he's had three three different periods out injured um, and one out suspended. Um, so he's been in and out of team. I think he's had I think he's twelve games he's played for us. Uh, so far um, and he's scored five goals I think it is five or six goals in that mm. period uh, which isn't uh, too bad a return really um, and it would have been interesting to see what he'd have scored or how many he would have you know scored in, in a period where uh, he didn't have an injury so for me I, I'd fancy him to, uh, to to get a goal or two um, because he really has that so that form coming back from injury so um, yeah so I, I would nominate Wickham if he's fit
0: All right, and it looks like Jake is back to answer the question about who the best fantasy option is for Newcastle. Uh, Is it going to be Gino Wienildum? Because he's against a pretty bad defense, but he's not at home, and we all know he loves some home cooking.
2: Yeah, well, he played well in, in the week for the Netherlands against England, which sort of gave me a bit of optimism about the weekend. But I would personally probably go for... Mitrovic, I think I think he played well against Sunderland. I think we've uh, brought in a striker uh, striker coach just to coach him, and I feel like I feel like he could do really well under Benitez. And the more the more games he plays, the more confidence he gets. So I think he could be somebody that really sort of terrorises that Norwich defence, which isn't the best physically, and they do make a lot of errors. So I think it's sort of a game for him. Uh Wilden's another one he could do well because you know he is, he is probably our best player sort of on ability then you, you've also got Sissoko, or, or Sissoko. I don't know where he's going to play. He could even be playing left-back this weekend, which is pretty crazy. But yeah, I don't know. It'd probably be Wijnaldum or Michovic. I wouldn't get any of our uh, defenders or our third-choice goalie in as it is now. So yeah, probably uh, best first fantasy would be the attacking players in so Michovic or Wijnaldum.
0: Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I think I mentioned uh, that I was bringing in Jan on a hunch. That... Did not go well. That did not work
2: out well. <laughs> it,
0: did. it really did not.
2: And now he's hurt. Do you think he's even going to be fit for the weekend? Yeah, he's injured. I, I think he, he'll he play, yeah. I, I think he'll play. Mm.
0: Alright, well maybe a slight chance for me to recoup there. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. But thanks for that. Um, for Tottenham, it's, it's a really big question mark week. Um, for me, I think Della Ali is probably your best bet just because it's so low stakes. I think it's entirely possible that Liverpool get a goal, which kind of diminishes the the value of your Alderweirelds and your Dyers and your Vimmers if you picked him up as a cheap replacement while Vertonghen was out. Um, And I I don't really see Eriksen doing phenomenally well in this match. I I think that the players that are going to run through transition are going to be the the better options. Um, Moussa Dembele, if you're in leagues that aren't the official .com game, because he's not going to score many goals or get many assists, but... His possession stats are really, really strong, uh, but I think Del Ali is is really the question mark. I don't know who in that Liverpool midfield will be able to to contain him. On the Infield Index preview show, uh, they were saying Joe Allen would just be tasked with pestering him all match, which could get Del Ali a red card. He has he has a bit of a nasty streak at him, but um, I think Ali is probably the perfect low stakes option. If you have Kane, you're not sitting him, obviously. Um, and uh, just, again, uh, kind a of reminder that LaMela probably not going to start in this one. All right, and now we will head into match previews, uh, where we're just going to talk about our club's upcoming fixtures. We'll start off with you, Jake, and your travels to Carrow Road.
2: Yeah, so uh, I said after the time with Derby that I thought this one would be a um, a must-win for Newcastle, and I think that that, that, still, that still carries. I think they're three points above us, uh, haven't played a game more, so I think we have to go there and sort of have to go for the win. There's been a lot of improvement under Benitez over the two matches. Um, we're not conceding as many goals and we do look a bit more of a threat on the attack uh, in attack and I think that's only gonna be, you know, there's only gonna be more improvement after two weeks training with all the players that didn't go on to internationals. So I think, yeah, I'm, I'm fairly confident. I think we I think we have to win. So the the fact we have to win makes me think that we, we will win. I think Benitez he's not we're not gonna just get relegated easily under Benitez. I think we're gonna go there get three points, but I don't think it's going to be pretty, but I don't really care about that. I think it'll be a a, um, sort of a tight game that we'll win, maybe 1-0, 2-1. Uh, we do have defensive problems. We've got Rob Elliott injured for the rest of the season, which is a massive blow. We've got um, no fit left back. Even the even Jack Colback, who has been playing left back, is suspended, so that's a bit of a blow. I think we'll probably see Anita at left back um, and then the rest of the team, sort of as you were. So hopefully we'll go there. And I, I think we'll win. Two one, I'll say Mitrovic and out
0: Alden get his first away goal. All right, and Jay, what do you think will happen when you play away to West Ham?
1: Um, I've got a funny thing about this one, but I've had a funny thing before every game in 2016, and we know how that's worked out. So really far. well in the first half uh, of the season. <laughs> yeah, well, the first half of the season was great. Um, second half has been been a fair bit different. Um. It's difficult to know going into the game until we re- realise whether we're going to have Kabay, Yednak um, and, and Wickham playing. Those three. Yednak's been great recently. He's fought his way back into the side, but he's suffered from a hamstring injury after international duty. Kabay's the same. Um, coming back to some somewhat his best from earlier on in the season, actually, he played very well against Reading in the FA Cup game. Um, played well against Leicester. Um so hopefully they're going to be fit. And the big one, as I mentioned earlier, Conor Wickham, I want to see him back because he, he gets goals and creates chances for us, um, brings other players into play. So um, if we do have those players fit and start in the game, then i I fancy just getting a point from West Ham. Sounds crazy uh, on our current form, but then the Premier League has been crazy this season, has not it? And our form's got to change it time. So... Um, you know, on, on, on the flip side, West Ham have struggled against some struggling sides this season. They've played well against the big sides and beaten the big sides, but they have come unstuck a few times um against sides that are struggling. And as how much however much I hate to say it, we're struggling at the moment, um, you know, that could be us. And we went there last season and we beat them three one. Um, a good 3 1 win as well, and we had a player sent off in the first half. Um, it's very odd. Something always seems to happen um, in the Palace West Ham game. Start of this season, Dwight Gow got sent off just for half time, stupidly enough. We managed to hold on till the 85th minute when they scored their second to go 2 1 up, which is a real um, real kick in the teeth for us. So I'm hopeful that we can get something out of this game. Um, you know, we, we need to kind of start picking up points regularly, and, you know, after missing out against Leicester and Liverpool, um, We want to get some points on the board or added onto our total already um, by the time we play that semi-final against Watford.
0: Yeah, I really would have appreciated some uh, points picked up by you lot against Leicester, but it was was not to be. Um, For Tottenham, we're obviously visiting Anfield in this one, as I mentioned earlier. I feel much more optimistic now that we have Toby Alderweireld back. Uh, Now the big question is, will Firmino and or Coutinho be fit for them? I think that, that would obviously be a huge dynamic for them. The crazy thing is that if Firmino isn't fit, their only healthy forward will be Daniel Sturridge? Hmm, that's, that seems backwards. Isn't he supposed to be the hurt one? Um, but anyway, obviously he offers a, a very big threat. But the fact that Toby's in there, I, I think, means that Liverpool w- will be held to one goal or less, which means how many are we going to score? Are we going to score more than that one would hope? Um, Martin Skirtle has had about the worst two week period a player could have um, including their their uh, giving away of their last match where Skirtle came on and had a yellow card and conceded what was it they conceded three goals once Skirtle came on They're 2-0 against Southampton I think, I think that's right um, yeah. one of them I think was a penalty and then he did it again on the international break it's, it's, things not going well for Martin Skirtle if he does play I'm going to say we score two plus. Uh, if he doesn't, I could see a score draw being realistic. On the Anfield Index preview show, I said we were going to win 3-1. Why I didn't appease them and go with a lower, lower score line and then come on here and say we destroy them, I don't know. But <laughs> I'm going to go I'm going to go for a narrow 2-1 win, but I could easily see it, it being a scored 1-1 one, one draw. All right, and with that we are out of time. So if you'd like to tell people where they could reach you or any projects you're currently working on, now would be a good time.
1: Yeah, thanks for listening. I'm Jay. I'm editor of the com, a Palace fan site. We're on Twitter, all across social media, but mostly active on Twitter. And you can get us there at TheEaglesBeak. And I'm also working on a local community radio football show called Back of the Net. Um, so you can listen online. Um, you can listen on local radio as well. But mostly... Um, uh, you can get it online um on the tuning app or just on the website um and you can follow us on twitter um and it'd be great to have some interaction from people because we're just getting off the ground with our first couple of live commentary games for local football recently so um you can check those out on youtube so you can get us on twitter at underscore it, underscore
2: yeah thanks for listening um you can get my stuff on the e p l index Total Dutch football. And I started recently uh, writing for the Boot Room, which is quite a good website, so definitely check that out. Um, just a quick plug for one of my articles uh, for Total Dutch Football. I wrote a piece on Vincent Janssen, who obviously had quite a big night at Wembley in the week, so definitely check that out and uh, find out more about him because he is one of the, you know, brightest strikers coming through in Europe. So yeah, check that. out.
0: Where would you rank him with Holler and Milik right now?
2: I think he's better. I think he's gonna be better than both. But I think what he's achieved, I'd probably put him below both. But yeah. I, I think in the long term, he's probably going to be better.
0: Yeah, Tottenham keep getting linked with Holler, which I wouldn't
2: hate. But as you
0: saw on Twitter, Jake, I, I just think this was the year to have had him. I just think the, I just think the years yeah. are messed yeah. up. Like, now he has enough experience for a team to take a gamble on him, but now the stakes are higher at Tottenham. And then it's, do you trust him to start every week in the Premier League or in the Champions League? And I, I don't think... I don't think that's the case. I think he'd be the perfect Europa League forward where you can rest your main guy yeah. in Europa League, play him, let him go, see what happens. Also, i uh, very good at penalties, <laughs> which uh, comes into play from time to time. Um, so that is that. I am your host, Kevin DeVries, at Kevroff on Twitter. I've had a bit of a slow week, uh, but you can find my uh, Premier League segment on All In Sports Talk. Also, I did the Anfield Index Preview Show, which I think I've already plugged like four times in the show. You can check that out with uh, Dave Hendrick, friend of the show, of course, uh, and Hari Sethi, who is a very good host over there. I also did a written preview for a Swedish uh, Liverpool site. You can find the link to that on my Twitter. Uh, Also, I did the fantasy show yesterday, so that's up. Also host of this show, obviously, up Fridays and Mondays, so keep tuned there. If I've forgotten something, uh, you know what? I don't expect you to go look at six things I've done. We'll, we'll just limit it to the five. No, I won't because Jay's on. Check out my fantasy article. <laughs> that will be up tomorrow over at theeaglesbeak.com and also the player previews over at playtaga.com. I probably need a vacation. Alright, well thanks so much for joining us, guys. It's been a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening.